know Second Chronicles seven fourteen is such a it's a scripture that's used so much that sometimes I think it's almost like we get we get dulled by the power of the words and uh, and the <laughs> the power in the action that that we're called to. Uh, but when we understand the Lord's heart and His pleasure and His desire for that that alignment with Him, that righteousness that we we, we now get to walk in through Christ, it's only by Christ that we're righteous. Uh, but there is a this is that humbling. It starts with humility that we humble ourselves that Christ would be in us, uh, that it actually would be the hope of glory. And uh, just as Marcus was leading that, what I I saw is just the beauty of, as we were just on our knees before the Lord, that scripture where it says, that 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, if my people who are called by my name, and every one of us, every one of us is called by his name, if we'll humble ourselves and then and pray, and that humbling actually, like the word, the Hebrew word, I think is of pray is to actually, um, to kneel. Um, I'd need the, our Hebrew scholar, Steve, to confirm that. But, um, but it's that humble ourselves and pray. And then like the deeper level of that is even, and seek my face. And then it's, and, and it's just not humble yourself, pray and seek my face, but still, we have to turn from the direction we're going. We have to, like, as we humble ourselves, pray and seek his face, here's where he shows us the direction. He shows us the plan. He realigns us. But then we have to actually turn from our ways. And then it says, and in that, this is where he's going to hear from heaven. He'll forgive the sins and he'll heal our land like there's a promise in this as we step into our part and and i think sometimes we say well the grace of god is just so like it's his grace he does he just lavishes it out the grace of god actually uh we encounter his grace through our actions and through our faith Um, there is such a there's an unlimited grace that is for us but not everyone is going to receive his grace. If we were, then why are we preaching the gospel? Why are we sharing the love of Jesus with people? You just be like, eh, everybody's got his grace. There is, a, there is a faith that's within us that activates the unlimited grace that God has for us. And, uh, and I love, like, right after that, it says... Um, Oh, how does it say it? It says, I will, he will be attentive. He will, oh, it says he will hear from heaven. He will be attentive to our prayers. Which means that God is not always attentive to prayers. And I, I think how often the church is praying and people are praying into things. God is not always attentive to prayers. Uh, I could, um, that's, this is not where I was going, so I'm not going to go into it. But I could show you 20 other places throughout Scripture where, where there are certain times. God is attentive to certain prayers in a position of the heart. Um, 
in a lack of forgiveness, and there, it, it can actually hinder prayers. There's, there's different things that can actually hinder our prayers, um, but it's a, it's a condition of the heart. It really comes down to that condition of the heart. But he says this, he goes, this is the Lord saying, now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to your prayers. And I, I feel like as we have been a church bigger than the rock, I'm talking about like as the church has, has begun to really seek the Lord in this season, has begun to press in. And, it, and sadly, it takes, it takes difficult things. It takes the kind of the things to start to get shaken in a sense where then we go, oh God, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in judges where over and over again, it's like when things are good, people's eyes begin to turn away from the Lord and they turn on to other things and it's like in the comforts and in the, when times are good, sadly, and I don't, I, it, like, I'm like, Lord, may this not be us, that in good times when things are going well, that we don't get comfortable and lackadaisical and we don't, we don't just kind of get caught up in our own things. And that's when over and over again, you see the Israelites, like they, they get caught up with idols and worshiping other things. And, um, and then it's in the difficult times where they cry out to the Lord, where they seek his face. And, and then the Lord begins to hear their cry. And then he comes and what did he, he judges I mean, it happens. I, don't, I can't remember how many times. It's like six or seven times. How many? Too many. Too many. Yeah. It happens too many times. But he says, it says this in 1 Corinthians 10. It says that, it says these things were written for us as a warning. Like it's, so we don't just look at it and go, well, that was a bummer for them. No, it's a, it's a warning for us that we would not turn from his ways that we would not take our eyes off of him. And I feel like even like when these moments of like, ah, this is amazing, like Roe versus Wade has turned, that we don't go, now we got it. No, it is a complete dependence upon Jesus, even more so that we go, God, now what do we do? We don't know what to do. If we think we know what to do, there's pride that comes in and it says pride comes before a fall. The only way we know what to do is when we have the mindset of the Spirit, when our eyes are set upon Him and we're constantly gazing upon His beauty. We're constantly looking at Him and saying, Jesus, what do we do now? What's our next step? How do we keep our, our heart so tender before the Lord? I woke up the other day. There's a scripture that when I was young, <laughs> I needed it all the time. Um, and, and it was... It was uh, Psalm 119, uh, nine. <laughs> now it's been, I'm not young anymore. So it's, I don't use it as much, but it, I woke up to the, the words of this. I think it's nine, but or it might've been 12. Um, I'll just double check. So I don't send you in the wrong direction. It's nine. Yeah. Psalm 119, nine. And, and I'm going to take out the young part because I, I just feel, and, and actually a young man, it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? But I, this is for all of us. But how do we keep our way pure? How do we walk in his way constantly? He says, by living according to my word. That we would live, and it's, and I would say, like, it's not just this. It's Jesus says he's the word. 
He is the word. And then he says, it's the spirit of Christ. When he goes to the Father, he sends his spirit. He puts his spirit in us, which reveals, in John 16, reveals all things. So that's that position that we walk in, that we live according to his ways. We live by the spirit. It says in, in Romans 8, those that are sons of God, daughters of God, were children of God, that, that those that are led by the spirit are the children of God. So he is calling us into this place of that we no longer think we have this figured out. Um, and, and again, at the moment we think we have it figured out is the moment we begin to fall. And this is where the Israelites, over and over again, they, they thought they had it figured out. They started to create their own things. They, they, pride comes in and they're like, well, well, we have all these things now. And, and those things became the you know, it was, it's always mammon. It's always some sort of money. Um, that it's that money that's a root of all evil. And it begins to change our heart. It begins to recondition our heart. And, um, and, and you've seen, we've seen it happen in America uh, where, where it's even on the dollar bill where it says one nation under God. It's now one nation under mammon. Um, it's shifted the mindset. And it's even, even when you look at abortion, um, it's a, it is a money maker. It, it comes down to a position of money. I've heard arguments that go, well, if we do this, it's going to cost America billions of dollars if they get rid of abortion. Like, whew, when did we ever start making our decisions based on money? When does money ever dictate what we do or what we don't do? But I want to take it one step further as I was just... Uh, meeting with some people this week and talking through and, and just hearing some things in the churches where, where money is still such a, such a vital, it's like a decision maker for people. And I hear it all the time. Well, we have to do this because of our financial situation or, uh, you know, like we didn't get it. So, I, I mean, I, I can tell you people are, um, <laughs> people are freaking out because of the, of the condition of this nation right now and trying to scramble and figure out what to do and well, what's going to happen is, you know, with inflation going up and, and, you know, gas prices are skyrocketing and food shortages are beginning to happen. Can you feel your anxiety rising? <laughs> ah! <laughs> we knew. It, you read the end times. This is what happens. Uh, these are the things that are going to happen. And he's looking for a people that are grounded in him, that are steadfast, that, that, that the foundation that we're on is in Christ, and it's, it's not on mammon. And even in the church, and this is why I want to encourage you guys, be careful. <laughs> encourage, warn, whatever you call it. Do not let money or finances ever dictate the direction you go and the decisions that you make. Don't ever let that be a decision maker. There's never a place in the Bible where, that I've read, maybe you can show me after the service, I've never seen anything that says, set your eyes on money and follow its direction. If, if your finances are tough, then make a change. Every time... God operates, and Jesus, as he was on this earth, operates in the supernatural. He never operates in the natural. And, and I love 
you know, the, we get to, you read the New Testament, you read the Gospels, and it's like, we get, I can so associate with Peter and uh, James and John, back when he was like the son of thunder, <laughs> before he became the beloved one. Uh, that he was like the, oh, we got this. You want to call down fire? Let's call down fire. We can do it. That's, a, that's our hearts a lot of times. But, but God is calling us. He's calling us into this place where we are, our eyes are so set upon him that, that the position of our hearts is, Jesus, what are, are you doing? And, and God has an amazing plan. When, when Jesus was on this earth, like, you just see these amazing stories where, where there's like, they come up to him and they're like, ah, we have to pay the taxes. What are we going to do? And Jesus is like, go fishing. I'm like, what? <laughs> go fishing? No, no, we have to pay taxes. Like, that's going to take a lot of fish to pay the tax. And he's like, no, it's going to take one fish. Because he operates in the supernatural. Now, I want to caveat that with, I think sometimes people act frivolously and, and they're not managing things well. And then they go, Lord, help me. Like, I'm under attack. And, and we have to be good stewards. We, like, we're called to be stewards with everything we've been given. We're called to be shrewd with everything we've been given. And if we're spending, if we're spending what we have on our own pleasures, and then we go, Lord, help me with more, I, I can tell you, you're probably going to hear crickets. <laughs> Because the Lord is looking for those with laid down lives. He's looking for those who say yes to the call. And there is a call. And, and it, is, it, it is not for us to be comfortable. And it's not about our lives. And it's not for us to have a big home and, and a great car. And, and to have the 401k in place. And then we can do things for the Lord. He's calling us to a whole other place. He's calling the church to another level. And I've been hearing this over and over again, this, this, we need to count the costs. And I believe we're in a time as we, as we move into these last days, and I don't know where we are, and I'm not writing a book on when the last day is, and um, we've had enough of those books. Uh, I've heard so many people say, you know, there's all these prophetic things. They're back in 2019, I remember somebody was telling me, the last day of, is September 15th. And, and I, I'm like, oh, great. Uh, and they're like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to keep doing the same thing I'm doing. I'm pressing into the Lord. I'm sharing the gospel. Uh, why, would any, why would anything change? And if anything does have to change, then you're probably going the wrong direction in the first place because we should be living our lives for Jesus every day, not just when it's the last day. Um, so I said, I was thinking, oh, I'll make, I'll make a bet with them. I'll bet them $500 that they're wrong. And I'm like, I win either way. Because if we do go to be with Jesus, I don't have to pay the $500. And if we don't, I get the $500. It's a win-win. <laughs> so anyone who has, anyone who knows the last day or the day that Christ is returning, bet them as much as they're willing to bet that, that it's not going to happen. You'll win either way. It's a good bet. It's a safe bet. Not that I'm promoting betting. Let me just stop right there. <laughs> oh, dear Lord, this is going to be like, no, I'm not promoting betting. <laughs> no gambling. Oh, where was I? Uh, there is a count. 
there is something about counting the cost in the time that we're in. And, uh, and let me just take you to Luke 14. Um, we'll just kind of flow. I don't know exactly where we're going, but I, I have the sense of what the Lord just wants to release today. And then we've got ice cream here uh, in just a, just a little bit. Ice cream and, and if you didn't hear, we've got birthday cake because there are birthdays now that are coming. Uh, so we're going to just celebrate right after the service here. Uh, but go to, if you go to Luke 14, uh, I think I'll just start in verse 25. And it says this. It says there's a large, large crowd. I'm in the NIV. Oh, good job. You guys are on it. <laughs> uh, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Uh, now, this, this scripture could easily be taken out of context. And um, I think... Jesus, I love the way Jesus preaches the gospel. And uh, he kind of just, he would just push buttons um, <laughs> and, and get people way out of their comfort zone. You know, like John 6, eat my, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and everybody left. You know, <laughs> except for the 12. And they're like, well, we don't know what else to go. You have the words of life. We're going to stay with you. But everyone else left. Um, those are those great messages that pastors never preach because no one would be in their, in, in their congregation any longer. This is one of those messages. That, uh, it, if we know the heart of God, we know the very thing we're called to do is love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're called to love others as we would love ourselves. And then Jesus changed it to a new command I give you, love others as I have loved you, that you would lay your life down for one another. That's now the calling. So there is to be such a love for others. But what Jesus was, was doing here was he was, he was contrasting the radical uh, difference of, of that love that we're supposed to have for Jesus is so radically different than any worldly love that we have for anything else. We're to love others, but but that love for Jesus goes above everything, that he is our number one, and when he says to do something, we do it. We give our lives. And here's the problem is, is if, I love, if I love others in the same way that I love Christ, then, then when it comes to giving my life, if there's a point where I'm to give my life, that's going to that's gonna hinder that. We may be called to give our lives. You may, be, you may be on this earth to be a martyr for the kingdom of God, for Jesus. That might actually be your calling. And I know the church preaches that you're to live an abundant life and you're to have everything you need. And, uh, and I would sadly say, I would just say I'm sorry <laughs> that you've been, you've been taught a lie because it is not about your life. It is all about his life. 
and we are called to lay down our lives. And he, yes, he gives us the fullness of life, but I can tell you, it will not be how you expected it. It will not. And if we have a mindset of how we think God's gonna bless us and do everything that, that we think he should do for us, then what we've done is we've shifted things to where the love that we have is more for the things that we have than the things of God. And when it says count the cost, so this is the words of Jesus. So right after that, uh, he says this. So suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and count the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build, but he was not able to finish. And this is what Jesus is saying. And this is what I feel like we need to kind of step into, even today, is that we would actually count the cost now for the things that are ahead that we would make the decision now, what are we gonna do? That it's not when, when something actually ha- comes into play that we, that we have to make the decision then and go, well, what am I gonna do? I wanna know now, am I willing to give my life? No matter, no matter what, for, for the sake of Christ. When he calls me out, if I'm to go to Pakistan, if I'm to go to Mozambique, if I'm, wherever I'm to go, whatever I'm to do, that, that it isn't, yes, I'll go, Lord, as long as you protect me, as long as you take care of me, as, as, long, as, uh, as long as I'm going to be safe in, in going. You look at the disciples and look at their lives, and you would go, well, Jesus, what, what happened? These were your 12, and almost every single one of them was a martyr. Almost every one of them died a martyred death. And you go, well, shouldn't you have protected them? And I, I think there's just, there's a mindset that we have to get beyond that, that life is not about our comfort. And yes, we operate in the supernatural. God moves in mighty power. He saves us. He does amazing things. But we do not base our actions and our direction based on whether we're going to be protected and comforted or not. We base it on who he is, and he is Lord of our life, to the point of are we willing to lay our lives down? Is he really worthy of it all? And I, we sing the song, you are worthy of it all. But I, but I question our, our hearts in that. Or do, we even, do we know what we're saying, first off? Do we really know that, that when it comes down to it, will we lay our lives down? Will we hate our lives in a sense so much that we would lay our lives down? Now, let me say on the other side of that, lives are so valuable to Jesus. He paid the price for us. So this is not like, well, just hate your life. No, we, we need to take and steward well the life that we have been given on this earth that we take every moment of it and say, God, it is for your glory. And, and that's why it's so important that we seek his face, that we, we're going after him with all that we have. But I, but I see 
the decisions, going back to what I was talking about. I've seen this and I'm seeing it now in, in churches that people are making decisions based on comfort and, and, and financial needs. And we're never meant to be comfortable. We weren't created to be comfortable. Um, I just gonna, let me just give you just a few examples here of um, when you look at Moses and, and he, you know, he's commissioned by the Lord to take a million Israelites out of Egypt to bring them across a, a barren land and into the promised land. A lot of times when, when you get a calling on your life, the next step you take is you're like, okay, now I need to know how this is going to happen. Like, Lord, you're calling, you know, I'm just using this example, don't, but you're calling me out of my job. Great, I'll do it, but I, I need to know the landing pad. Like, what's going to happen over here? You're going to have to show me all of this before I actually make that jump and come over here. I need to know that I've got, you know, the finances in place. I, I got everything over here. And, and the Lord doesn't actually operate like that. When, when Moses was called out, the Lord didn't say, okay, Moses, when you get out here, I'm going to provide water from the rock. I'm going to give you some manna so you have food. He had no plan. Like, do you realize that he's now, in a sense, in charge of over a million people, bringing them out, and he has no plan. He's not going, okay, Lord, good. I can't wait till day two when you bring the rock and, and we get to hit it and, and the water comes out and we all get to drink. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know manna was going to be provided. And, and I think this is that place of faith that he stepped into, that he just said, yes, Lord. That's why he said, he writes, he pens this himself. Moses, I'm the most humble man <laughs> on the face of the earth. You know why he's the most humble man on the face of the earth? He is so dependent on the Lord because he had no other plan. There was no plan B. And in our lives, we so often create a plan B. We're like, okay, Lord, I've got this. If it doesn't work... I've got this other plan right here. This is my backup plan. I've got the, you know, I've, I've got, I'm roped in. So yes, I'm stepping out on the cliff for you, but just in case I got that rope. And, uh, and I don't think the Lord's, he's like, I need you to cut the ties. Faith is stepping out beyond the things that we can see. It's stepping out on the waves. When, P, when he called Peter out on the waves, it was eyes on Jesus. That was it. Peter walked on waves. Like, you know how crazy that is? Who else has walked on waves? Like, yeah, he sunk. But he walked on the waves. Like, I don't know. I'd be like, you can say I sunk, but I walked on waves. <laughs> you, when you walk on waves, then we'll talk. Like, who else has walked on waves? Like, I love it. Peter stepped out. Yeah, he, he went down. That's okay. Um, Ah, where was I? Oh, with Moses, yeah. So right after that, you got Joshua. And, and the Lord says some amazing things. He says, be strong and courageous. Tells them this multiple times. We are in a time right now where we need to be strong and courageous, but not in and of ourselves. I think we miss that too sometimes. Like, okay, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to go after this. No, our strength is in him. 
Our hope is in him. It's in our weakness that we're made strong. It's in our humbleness and our humility that we can actually, we put all of our trust in him. One of my favorite verses, I probably quote it every Sunday. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. There is a, there is a trust that he calls us into without an answer on the other side. There's a, I was reading up on this, um, it's called the, uh, the African, I think it's impala, is that how you say it? Uh, but it's like, a, it's like a deer, but it's um, got the longer antlers and it's, it's in Africa. And, and it's this amazing uh, animal that it can, it can jump horizontally. It can leap in one leap, it can go 30 feet. And, uh, and it can go 10 feet into the air uh, in, in one jump. So it can go 10 feet up in the air and 30 feet in length. A beautiful animal that has such power and such strength to, to, to make those leaps. But if you go to, if you go to uh, zoos around, around the world um, and you go to the zoo, you'll see that those animals are held in by about a three-foot fence. It's crazy. You're like, they could jump right over the fence. But the thing is, is these animals... If they cannot see the landing pad on the other side, they will not jump. And so they're held in by a small little fence because they can't see on the other side where they're landing. And and I just equate that to a a lot of the church. I'm not coming against the church, but I just feel like, like God has given us so much. There is a, and I want to speak into, there is a grace that he's given us, an empowering grace that we have that goes way beyond anything that you've ever experienced. But it requires faith. It is a faith that activates this grace to walk in the supernatural. And, and, when, and that faith is, like Robbie Dawkins, he says, I know it comes from John Wimber, but faith is spelled what? R-I-S-K, risk which means that it is a stepping out beyond what we can actually see. Now, it is not just, Lord, I'm going to step off this cliff in faith, protect me, save me, and they go crashing down. No, it comes out of, out of hearing, having eyes to see and ears to hear. Blessed are those that have eyes to see and ears to hear. When we actually walk by the Spirit and He reveals things and shows us things, then we step out in faith. Moses didn't have a great idea to take the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the Lord that spoke to him. And so he trusted the Lord. When Joshua got the plan and he said, be strong and courageous, it was in the Lord. He's like, you need to, you need to read the word. You need to be in the word all the time. And, it, and then he says this, do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. Faith and fear are pretty much opposites. And a lot of times we're either operate. not a lot of times, I, I know my wife always says, don't use absolutes, but I'm going to use an absolute that I would say you're either operating in faith or you're, either oper- or you're operating in fear. Uh, and you cannot operate in faith with a little fear, and you cannot operate in fear with a little faith. There, it's either fear or faith. You're either, you're motivated by, by mammon, by money, by, uh, by maybe like pain, by, by discomfort, uh, or you're motivated by the Spirit. You're moved by the Spirit. You're moved by love and compassion, by the fruit of the Spirit. 
You're moved by his joy. You're moved by his, 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 his peace to say, okay, now this is what I'm to step into. So let me just speak to this. I actually took some notes on this because I just kind of got this last night as I was just pressing into things. And, uh, but I just want you to hear some of these scripture verses that, that tie to this. I feel like the Lord wants us to give us this, um, <laughs> this radical understanding of faith. That if we can understand faith, the grace is already there. It's unlimited. It's the faith that activates the grace that brings us into it. And this is just a short message, so I don't have time to preach all all around it as well. But this is, you know, people say, well, you just didn't have enough faith when you prayed, and so you didn't get healed. I'm not going there. I'm I'm step. I'm going into this. I'm I'm. it could be that, um, but but I, there's there's there are other things as well, and so you know sometimes people shame people like oh, you just didn't have the faith for that. It, it is the faith of a mustard seed. It doesn't require a lot of faith, but it is a it is a stepping out. You cannot have faith in fear. So you might only have a mustard seed of faith, but if fear is involved there, it will shut down the grace of God from actually moving in your life. And just look around. I mean, the whole world right now is, the enemy loves this because he is just swirling this fear around, and, and it is shutting people down, including the church, from operating in the supernatural. I believe that the Lord in these times, especially as he's pouring out his spirit in the last days, that we're to operate in such a place of the supernatural, that we're going to do things that we have you've never seen before. When, when Jesus had the 5,000, I mean, this, this was a big deal. 5,000 people were there and they were hungry. And the disciples are like, ah, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, we're going to feed them. And they're like, yeah, yeah, right. That's like a year's wages, Jesus. We don't have that. That's not in our budget. Like, no, really, what are we going to do? He's like, no, we're going to feed them. And this is where, like, we have to shift our mindset in every area of our life that we do not operate in the things of this world. We're in this world, but we are not of it. We are meant to operate by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, live by the supernatural. I, my heart is so excited because I feel like, like if, we, if we begin to get this, like things shift. And again, it is not for our own pleasures. As James says, if you, you ask and you don't receive, and then if it, but then if you ask with, your, with motives of like for yourself, you got the wrong motive. He's looking for hearts that have the motive to impact the kingdom, to say, I seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, not I seek first my comforts and, Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. He doesn't work by manipulation. Don't try to manipulate God. Just say yes to him. He will blow your mind. And, and, and we, we're going to operate out of a new mindset. When Jesus had the 5,000 there, he didn't, he didn't go, oh, no. He said, okay, Lord, here we go. Here's another opportunity for your glory to be known. And, and he, he would operate in the supernatural. He says, just bring me what you have. What do you got? A lot of times the Lord will use what you have to operate in the supernatural to show what he wants to do. He took just a couple fish and a couple loaves. And he said, All right, Father, thank you for what you're going to do. And he broke the bread, and he he separated the fish. 
and there was more than enough to feed 5,000. And we go, well, that's Jesus. That's him doing this. No, no, no. This is for today. Yes, we're going to have food shortages. Do you not think that God can multiply food in miraculous ways? Will we not have a mindset that there, we don't go, oh, no, we don't have enough, but we go, oh, yes, we have Jesus. We're going to begin to operate under a new mindset with a new understanding that we do not operate by fear. It says the righteous do not, they live by faith, that we would not operate in fear. There's a, a great scripture in Hebrews. Uh, I've read it many times, but uh, it says this in Hebrews 10. It says, don't throw away your confidence. Another word for that is faith. Don't throw away your faith because it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, and let me say, faith is connected with the will of God. If your faith is in something that is not the will of God, it's not actually faith. It might be a form of faith, but it is, it's, it's not the faith that, that the Bible talks about. So there is a, we need to know the will of God. Romans 12 talks about it. It says that we would, this is where we become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. That's our spiritual act of worship, that we don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind that we want to know his ways, we get into his word. We begin to pray. We begin to seek the Lord. And he begins to show us his ways. And then it says in that, so that you would know God's will, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. And then once we have the will, now we begin to step into it. Now we take, that's the confidence we have. Now he says, that's, that's where he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. In what? In what I'm calling you to do. Here's the plan that I have for you. You're going you're gonna to step across. In three days, you're going to take the promised land. Well, how are we going to do that? There are kingdoms and armies that are way bigger than us. They walked across that little Jordan, not that little, that, that Jordan River. It was actually at flood stage, and the Lord separated it, parted it so that they could walk through they get to the other side. They didn't have horses and chariots and all these things. They were going up against armies that were way more powerful than they were. They had no chance of survival as they crossed over that land to go into the new land, except that their faith was in Christ. Well, it was in the Lord. Christ, anyway, it was in the Lord. <laughs> they had their faith and they had their eyes set on him. They were trusting in the Lord with all their heart. And that's why they were able to operate in such supernatural power. The very first army or, or kingdom that they took down was Jericho. And he says, walk around for seven days. And on the seventh day, you're going to shout and the walls are going to come down. Like that is not the normal way to defeat an army. We're moving into times where the Lord is actually, I, I believe we cannot afford to live in the natural. We cannot afford to have the mindset of fear when we look at situations. He says this, so back to that Hebrews, it says, so do not throw away your faith, your confidence, for it will be richly re rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. There are promises that he has for us, 7,000 of them in the Bible. And it says that his promises, 
He, how does he, his, they are yes in Christ, to which we respond with the spoken amen. And I believe this, you can take it this way. Those promises which he says yes to, that's his grace. It is lavished upon us, the empowering grace of God to accomplish everything that we have. But there is a spoken response. There is a step that amen that we engage in that actually activates the promise. They go hand in hand. So it says this, you will receive what is promised for in just a while, it says, quote, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous ones, they will live by faith, not by sight. They will live by faith, which means that sight is that, that, that understanding that we have in the natural we can no longer live that way. And it says, and if you shrink back, if he shrinks back, the Lord says this, I will not be pleased with him. Oh, but God, your grace is for everyone. His grace is for everyone, but it requires a faith to activate the grace. And then it says this, I love it. Uh, I, yeah, I was gonna say who the writer of Hebrews is, but that's debatable. Um, it says, but we are not those who shrink back. I love that. Like he's calling us out. You're not the ones that shrink back. It says, and you're not the ones that shrink back and are destroyed, but you are those who believe and are saved. And that's, this is what he's calling us into. Revelation 12, it says, here's the ones, these are the ones who overcome. We overcome one by the blood of the lamb. This is why... The communion is so important. We take his blood. Without his blood, we have no chance. That's the very first thing. It's the blood of the lamb. And then it's the word of our testimony. It is the testimonies that go forth. I feel like, like even as we read these scriptures, that these things, these things are for us. These things are to be encouragement to us. Like when we read these scriptures that we go, if they did it, we can do it. Especially now. Like, this was, that was old covenant stuff. Man, we got the new covenant. We have the Holy Spirit now living on the inside of us. It's like, it's like a whole new upgrade. You ever, yeah, you know, you get your phone upgraded. Well, that's a bad example because half the time it's like, ah, oh, that no longer works. But the intent is, you know, when you get the upgrade, it's supposed to be really, it's like a whole nother level of better. And, uh, and I believe, like, we have this amazing upgrade. We have what, what they did not have under the old covenant. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We, we, we live, we breathe, we move by the Spirit. But it still requires faith. Yeah, um, let me just, there's a scripture in, I was just thinking of in, in Romans 12. Um, oh no, Romans 15. It says, it says this in Romans 15, 4. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Isn't that cool? Like, these, this, this was written to teach us and to encourage us that we would have that hope that it's, it's the hope of glory. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we can take these scriptures and go, Lord, if you did it there, you can do it again. And that's this word of our testimony. And then it says that, that we would be those, actually, I'll just read that last part. It's so good. Um, 
Hebrews or Revelation. Can you go to Revelation 12? Um, so you can read along with this. Revelation 12, 11. So it says, he overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. And then this third one, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. This is where we count the cost. And let me just clarify, counting the cost is your life, all that you have. That's the cost of following Jesus. There is no, there is nothing less than that that, that is the cost. It's all that you have. It's everything that you are, that you would live for him. And this is what I believe, that the church has been, has been kind of weak in that area, where it's like, we love Jesus, we worship him, but when times get difficult, that's when we begin to shrink back. I saw it happen over and over again in uh, just during the times of COVID where fear came in. People got fearful. This is not to shame anyone. What this does is this just kind of reveals some areas of our heart. I believe this is the mercy of God to go, look, I'm just revealing some things in the church right now so that we have the opportunity to get things right, so that we can get our firm foundation. We can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So real quick, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to close this. Actually, I want to... Jeremy, are you here? Jeremy Salt. Oh, did he step out? I think he stepped out. Okay. Uh, I want you just to hear these, these verses. Um, so, oh, uh, which I already used. In 1 Corinthians 1. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 1. <laughs> It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So this is that response that we have of faith, which activates the grace. Um, I'm just going to pop through a few scriptures here. In Romans 1.17, it says this. It says, for the gospel reveals the righteousness of God that comes by faith. Yeah, that is by faith from first to last. The other translation says from start to finish. And, and I, I tie that in with, with Hebrews 12, which says, set your eyes on Jesus, for he's the author, the beginning, and the perfecter, the end of your faith. So when we set our faith in Christ, there is a grace. This is where we actually have this righteousness of God that is revealed. There is a grace that comes upon us. The glory of God begins to be revealed in and through us. But it does require the activation through faith. Um, there was another scripture I was going to speak into on this. Oh, Romans 4.16 says this. It says, therefore, put up Romans 4.16. How fast can you do it? Good job. <laughs> therefore, the promise comes by what? Faith, here it is. So those promises, all his promises, that's the grace of God that he has for us. It's, it's unlimited. It's unlimited grace. But the promises come by faith so that it may be by grace. So as we step into the faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Are you Abraham's offspring? 
Okay, so that includes you. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us. And then jump to Romans 5, 2. Actually, go to 5.1 and then to 5.2 because it kind of, there we go. So therefore, since we're justified by what? Faith. faith. By grace or by faith? faith? Okay. This is that place that, this is that part that we play. We're actually justified through faith, actually by grace, but through faith. So as we step into faith, we have that unlimited grace that is lavished upon us. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then go into verse two. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You guys see this? There's a, this is, I feel like we're, if we get this, if we can understand this, this is where we begin to operate in the supernatural. There is a unlimited amount of grace. When we, we need greater food supplies, he's going to provide. He provides all our needs. He's going to meet those needs. He's going to multiply the food. We need greater finances. Boom, we're going to go fishing. You guys like to fish? <laughs> we're going fishing. Whatever it is that he has for us to do, that we're going to realize that, that the kingdom resources that we have do not come from our own strength and our own abilities. It comes from, throw that up again real quick, sorry. Uh, it comes from this faith that is, or this grace that is accessed by faith so that, for this purpose, so that we would boast in the hope of the glory of God. Come on. Are you guys as excited as I am, or is this just me? <laughs> okay. Like, guys, we can step into something that's going to blow everyone's mind. But it's going to take that step of faith. It's going to take trusting in him, which means seeking his face, getting to know his plans, getting to know his heart. And then and all you're doing, it's, it's funny. When, when Jesus would say, like, do not be afraid, he says it how many times throughout scriptures? I, I don't know. Some of you might know, you scholars. He says it a lot. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Uh, I think a lot of times our response is, okay, I, I, can't, I can't be fearful, I can't be afraid, I can't be fearful, can't be afraid. That's not what he's doing. What Jesus speaks, he actually already gives us. We have access to not be afraid. That does not come from our own strength. It actually comes from grace. So all we do is we say, okay, if that's his heart, if he's saying, don't be afraid, we're going to step into that place. And by our little faith, that's going to give us the grace that we, we are not afraid. We're not fearful. So sometimes, again, I feel like, like don't get so caught up in I've got to make this happen. What you have to do is you've got to ground yourself in Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And when your heart's in him, when your mind is in him, when everything is in him, you will have the grace to not be in fear. You'll have the grace to have the strength to do what he's called you to do. There's a, um, there's a quick story. Smith Wigglesworth. You guys know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Guys, this, it's called, this book is called Ever Increasing Faith. 
If you know Smith Wigglesworth, this was a guy, I don't know, he was, uh, um, he was born in 1859, died in 1947, and, uh, and he lived a life of faith, radical faith, to the point where the Lord would tell him to do something, and he would just do it. I'll give you a few quick examples of, of what he did that, were, that blow my mind, that I'm like, Lord, I don't have that faith. <laughs> He, somebody handed him a dead baby and, uh, to raise from the dead. Well, what would we do? We'd go, Lord Jesus, we ask you to raise this baby from the dead. We'd cry out. You know what he did? He drop-kicked the baby. He, it's, I'm not kidding. <laughs> he took the baby and drop-kicked it. And you'd go, ha, what? Here's the thing. God does not do things the way we would expect. And we have to, it, he offends people. He's called the rock of offense. And, and uh, I mean, can you imagine somebody gives you a baby that's dead and you drop kick it? Like, first of all, you'd be on every news channel. You would, you'd, I mean, especially if I was the pastor and here I did drop kick, that would be my last day preaching. I'd probably be in jail. Who knows? I, but, but he had such faith, and as he did, why did he do it? Because the Lord told him to. When he drop-kicked that baby, that baby came back to life. That is radical obedience. Make sure you're hearing the Lord before you drop-kick a baby. <laughs> and the Lord doesn't usually do things the same way twice. I mean, you know, I think people study how Jesus healed people all the time. And I'm like, stop studying how he peeled, healed them and start listening to the Holy Spirit. Because he always does this. He always does it in a new way. In a new way. He doesn't, he doesn't recreate things and redo things. He's a God of the new. He's a God who creates. He, he has a much bigger imagination than like, well, I did it the way the last 10 times. I'll have to do it again that way. It's the only way it works. No, God doesn't operate that way. There was another time where... He went, into a, he went into a memorial service, and, uh, and he walks in, and he, <laughs> and again, you got to hear the Lord in this. He picks up, he grabs the guy out of the coffin, picks him up, and throws him against the wall. And the guy goes limp, falls down. At that moment, I would have been like, Lord, didn't work, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd hope to have a mask. That's when I want to wear a mask. <laughs> so nobody knows who I am. <laughs> uh, he did it again. He picks him back up, throws him against the wall, and he, go, he drops down to the ground again. The guy's dead. And you're like, can you imagine? This is a memorial service or a, a funeral they're at, and people are like, what is he doing to Uncle Joe? <laughs> like, you know, he's all set up, and, and he picks him up a third time throws him against the wall and he begins to cough and he comes to life. Guys, this is radical faith, but it is trusting in the Lord way beyond our understanding and it requires counting the cost because if, we, if he would have counted the cost of the Lord, what if it doesn't happen? Because here's the thing, the Lord didn't have to do this because he was obedient. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They go, the Lord's going to save us as we go into this. The, the, the king was saying, hey, bow before me. And they're like, no, not doing it. He's like, then you're going to get thrown into the furnace. And they're like, fine, 
We'll get thrown into the furnace. And even if the Lord doesn't save us, we will not bow to you. That's the position that we need to have. It is not, well, Lord, if you do this, then I'm expecting you to answer it this way. All we do is what we're called to do, and we leave the results to him. That's scary. That's radical, but that's what we're called to. We are not God. We are his children, and we are under his lordship, and we just do what he says. We count the cost, and we say, are we willing to die? Are we willing to live? If I kick this baby, and it doesn't come back to life, am I willing to lay it all down? Because you said to do it, not because of anything else. Not that we're going to go kick babies. <laughs> but so anyway, I'm not going to read this one. Those were, those were better than that one. I, I think, oh, I'll just speak to it just quickly. So what, what was happening in that place was there was a group of people that came in for this pastor who was, who was sick on his deathbed. And he heard that there was actually that, that Jesus heals. He didn't even know as a pastor. And all of a sudden he's on his deathbed and he's like, oh my gosh. So Jesus can heal, and he does it through the laying on of hands, and he calls a bunch of people in. He calls, you know, his friends in. He says, lay hands on me. And, uh, and they came in. They laid hands on him, and nothing happened. And they went out, and the story goes like this. One of them kind of had this, I believe, spiritual revelation from the Lord. And he's like, guys, we need to go back in. And this time, we just need to call on the name of Jesus. And they went back in, and all they did was just begin to speak the name of Jesus over and over. And they started with a whisper, and it got louder and louder and louder. And this guy who was on his deathbed stood up, got dressed, and walked out of that place in that moment. It comes down to Jesus. They were trying to do it in and of their own power, in and of their own strength. And, and, and Smith Wigglesworth, was, his point was, it is not about our own strength. It's not about our, well, if I go in, I lay hands and I, and I do the oil thing and I, maybe we do communion and we do all these things. Like, No, it is a dependence upon Jesus. Everything we do is dependent upon him. We have no ability in and of ourselves. Amen? Okay. Um, I want to show you just a quick, it's a two-minute video. Uh, and then we'll close here. Uh, Yeah, I think that's, Camille actually sent me this. Uh, this is a guy, his name is uh, John Chow, and um, young man, and I, I just want to say this, this is a man, uh, you guys have heard of Jim Elliot, right? I think many of you heard of Jim Elliot. There are these stories of people that, that give their lives uh, and I think sometimes we're like, man, will, will I actually do that? That's why we want to count the cost now uh, to say, will we do it before the, the day comes where maybe we, we're called to do it, where the Lord says now. Uh, but uh, uh, the story of Jim Elliott, uh, Christy was telling me, my wife, she's saying when she was young uh, in college and uh, high school and college, I think it was high school actually, she was reading about Jim Elliott. And, uh, and how he gave his life. Um, and I want to say, he wasn't there alone. Everybody talks about Jim Elliot. There were five of these men together. And I believe even like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there were three of them. doesn't say this in the story, but I believe they encouraged each other. They're like, come on, we can do this. Jim Elliot, there were five men. 
and, and they go to Ecuador, and they go to these, this people group that is, uh, they, they are not really uh, friendly to the outside world. <laughs> Everyone that would come in would get killed. And, uh, and they, they feel like they're, they're called to go there. And, um, and there's, there's, there's these words that Jim Elliott says. He, um, I love these words. This is a famous quote of his. It says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And, and Christy was saying how when she read this story, it so stirred her uh, that she was like, I just want to go give my life and, and go live in Ecuador and just give my life for the, these same people. She actually went, I think she lived there for like six months. She was in Ecuador and just did ministry there. Uh, I feel like these stories, these things that we read in the scriptures, these things that we read of, of these people of the faith, that they're to encourage us and strengthen us. It's that Hebrews 12, that it's that cloud of witnesses. Right after you read Hebrews 11, about the, all the men and women of faith, and then it's that Hebrews 12, the cloud of witnesses, that they're going, come on, we did it, so can you. You can step into this greater faith. You can go way beyond the things of this world and out of fear into a place in a position of faith. So uh, let's, let's, I want you to see this John Chow uh, video, and I don't need to explain it. We'll just, just watch it. Please do not be angry at them. 
or God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever He has called you to, and I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 to 10 says. I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Within hours of writing those words, John Chow was killed by the islanders. John believed that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience, and he would be obedient to God's call, no matter the cost. John was 26 years old when he gave his life for those people in 2018. Would you guys stand? Don't mean to end it on a, such a serious <laughs> note. But, well, Lord. <laughs> uh, we do get to go have ice cream and celebrate. <laughs> but as we stand, this is just between you and Jesus. This isn't an altar call. It's not a stand if you want to do this or sit. Or I, I just feel like just in these moments right now, that we would just take that opportunity just to count the cost. And you may, not, you may not be at that place where you're like, yeah, I'll give it all up. I'll give every dollar that I have. I'll give up my home. I'll give up my, the life that I live, the lifestyle. It's not, that he, it's not that he's saying do it. He's saying, will you count the cost and are you willing when I say to do it, to do it? The rich young ruler was like, Lord, I've, Jesus, I've done it all. What do I need to do? And he goes, go sell everything you have. And he goes, ah, I can't. He, could, he counted the cost and realized that the things of this world that he had were more valuable than Jesus. What in this world is more valuable than Jesus? More valuable than the life that we get to live with him for eternity. He says, if you... If you hold on to your life, you will actually lose it. Just read these words. And I just, this is, I just feel there's a moment here of just recounting the cost. It says, a man who loves his life will lose it. Well, the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. For whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. And my father will honor the one who serves me. That's in John 12, 25. Lord, I ask that this morning, that as we have eyes to see and ears to hear, that we would respond
with this yes. Who will go for me? And we say, here am I, send me. There's no plan. I don't know what that means. I don't know if I'm going to be protected or taken care of or if I'm going to have everything I need. All I know is that when you call me to go, that my response will be yes. And that there's nothing more that's needed. There's not a fleece that we have to throw out. There's not a, the, the backup plan, make sure the 401k is in place. Lord, none of this, we can't take any of it. This earth will burn. <laughs> it is very clear in the scriptures. This earth will go. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. But Lord, may we be those that lay up our treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. Lord, may we not be those that lay up for ourselves treasures on this earth. There's nothing of this earth that is of value. So Lord, I pray that our eyes would be on you, our hearts would be set up on you, and that, Lord, right now, that we would sign that just that blank contract that says, yes, we give our lives for you. We've counted the cost. You're worthy of it all. No matter what happens in my life, that it would be a living sacrifice for the glory of God. I just feel, take a moment, 30 seconds. And if, if, if you're ready to make that decision, <laughs> and and I mean really ready because I think some of you he's going to call you to some things will you say yes to the call regardless of the cost I was going to read one last scripture and I am closing the words of Paul in Acts he says this he says now compelled by the spirit I'm going to Jerusalem he was compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. It says he didn't know what was going to happen to him there. He only knew that in every city, the Holy Spirit warned him that prison and hardship were facing him. But he said this, but I consider my life worth nothing. He counted the cost. My life is worth nothing to me. Only that I may finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. In the next chapter, there's a prophetic person who actually gets a prophetic word about Paul and sees him being tied up. He takes Paul's belt and he ties his own hands and feet and with it. And he says, this is what the Lord's saying, that if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound you're going to be turned over. And, uh, and, and this is the crazy part. I think there's these prophetic words, and sometimes we think, well, if that's the prophetic word, then, then we don't want to go. Like, but Paul was already compelled by the Spirit. He knew where he was supposed to go. And this is that we go in spite. Yes, the Lord was saying it wasn't a false prophecy. Those were the things that were going to happen. The question is, will you still go? 
Will you go if you're going to be persecuted, even to the point of death? Will you not shrink back when we're faced with death? And Paul responds back to him and he says this, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus. May that be our heart's cry. Jesus, we will go, even if we're bound, even if we die, we will go to the hardest places, the darkest places, wherever you call us to go. Lord, I pray today would be a day where we make that resolve, where we count the cost. And that from this moment forward, that fear would not dictate our lives. Fear would have no place in our life, but that we would truly operate by faith. Lord, that we would experience the empowering grace that you have for us as we say yes to the very promises that you have. We're in a new season. We're in a new day. It's a new day of destiny that dawns. It is a day of grace that comes by faith, radical, obedient faith. And let me say this one thing, as I felt like even in those words that John was saying about obedience, let me say that that obedience comes from the radical love that the Father has for us. That when we know that love and we operate in that love, obedience is a no-brainer. Obedience is, yes, Lord, I'll do it. So it's not the, I've got to be obedient. It's knowing his love that overwhelms us to the point where we say, I'll do anything for you. In a moment's time, you say the words and I will do it. So Lord, I thank you. I thank you for an anointing for your people. That Isaiah 61 anointing that says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us and has anointed us to do these things. Not just so that we can live a great life. No, you've anointed us for the hard and difficult things to preach the gospel to set the captives free, to break off the chains of injustice. You've anointed us for the very difficult things that are at hand. So I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you, Lord, that we will operate in faith. We will not operate by a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. In Jesus' name, amen.